Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Sourcebooks and their new bright and bold inspired picture book with a touch of science, Don't Touch That Flower, by Alice Hemming and Nicholas Slater. Please help support our sponsor by purchasing Don't Touch That Flower at thereadingbug.com, bookshop.org, or your local independent bookstore. Sourcebooks, changing lives, book by book. Hi, reader. It's time for another great episode of Reading Bug Adventures, written, performed, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned independent bookstore. We've been receiving incredible artwork from you lately, and it's all hanging on our bookstore walls. You can check it out by following us on Instagram or Facebook at The Reading Bug or at Reading Bug Box. You can shop from millions of book titles and gifts for kids and grown-ups at our bookstore website, thereadingbug.com. There, you'll find recommendations from our staff on the curated lists on our homepage. You can create wish lists for friends and relatives to shop from, and you can even put together personalized care packages for a super easy gift option, where me and my booksellers choose books and gifts from our bookstore shelves based on your needs. Visit thereadingbug.com care. If you want a perfectly personalized gift online, shop for book subscriptions at readingbugbox.com. Unlike other subscription boxes, Reading Bug Boxes include a selection of books that are handpicked by me or other expert staff members and personalized to the unique age, interest, and reading level of each reader. As the reader's skill and interest change, so do the books we pick. For the summer months, we're offering a free book light with any personalized subscription of three months or more. Purchase by July 20th, 2023, and use the code BOOKLIGHT at checkout. Whichever you choose, readingbugbox.com or thereadingbug.com, we thank you for your support. We need you to keep our podcast and our local independent bookstore running. Isn't it great that you can support small business from far away? Thank you also to our sponsors and patrons. A big hello to our latest patrons, Max, who's five years old, and a belated happy birthday to Indy from Virginia. You're part of what makes Reading Bug Adventures podcast possible. To become a patron and support our work, please visit patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. Okay, reader, are you ready for another adventure with me and the Reading Bug? Great! Then let's fly! It's time for a Reading Bug Adventure! It's a Reading Bug Adventure, there's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. you are. It's so wonderful to see you again. I've been looking forward to our next adventure together, haven't you? I wonder where the reading bug will be taking us today and what we'll be doing and learning about together. Do you have any guesses? Hey, do you hear that? Listen, it's a buzzing sort of sound, but not like the buzzing sound the spelling bee makes. It sounds more like a machine than a bug, doesn't it? And I think it's getting closer. I wonder what it could be. Hey, look! There it is! 
It looks like some sort of fancy toy airplane. It's about 12 inches wide and 18 inches long, white, and it has propellers underneath each of its four wings that are spinning fast and making the buzzing noise we're hearing. Look, it's swishing and swooping through the air as it gets closer and closer. What do you think it is? Lauren, reader, it's me. Reading bug, is that you? Of course it's me, silly. I was running a little late, so I used to ride on this awesome aircraft. But, reading bug, you can fly. Sure I can, but not like this. This speedy drone flew me to you in no time at all, and it was a lot of fun, too. Now that I'm here, I'll hop off and join you for our adventure. Thanks for the ride. Reading bug, where did you learn to pilot an airplane? I didn't have to learn anything, Lauren. That aircraft flies itself. It's a drone. It flies itself? You know, I've heard about drones, but I'm not sure I know the difference between a drone and an airplane, other than drones are much, much smaller. A drone is a kind of flying robot that is powered and controlled by a computer. Drones are also called unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs. Sometimes drones are remotely controlled by a pilot who is located somewhere on the ground, but many drones, like this one, are guided to their destination by a special type of computer called a global positioning system. Robot? Wow, I didn't know that drones were robots. That's so cool. I'd love to learn more about drones and other kinds of robots. How do they know where to go? How do they stay in the air? What keeps them from crashing? Lauren, you're reading my mind. I think you're really going to love our adventure today. Why don't I tell you some of the names of some of the books in my book bag? And you can guess where we'll be going today. Okay, we're ready, aren't we, reader? Today I packed Cog by Greg Van Eekout. How to Code a Sandcastle by Josh Funk, A Rover Story by Jasmine Warga, and Rosie Revere Engineer by Andrea Beatty. Hmm, let's see. I know that Rosie Revere Engineer is about a girl who loves to build things and dreams of growing up to be an engineer. And Coding a Sandcastle is about a girl who uses computer coding concepts to build the perfect sandcastle. Reading Bug, are we going to visit engineers who build things on our adventure today? Yes, you got it. You processed that really quickly. Can you guess what those engineers build, though? Well, let me think about that. I'm not sure I know the other two books you mentioned, Reading Bug. A Rover story is about two robots, a rover and a drone, who travel to Mars and collect information to send back to scientists on Earth. We found a rover on our Mars adventure. You're telling me that a rover is a kind of robot? Sure is. And the other book, Cog, is about a robot named Cog, who looks just like a boy. He escapes from the company that controls him in order to rescue his inventor. Wait, it's about a robot too? And now that I think about it, coding a sandcastle also has a robot in it. Reading bug, are you taking us on a robot adventure today? Yes, yes, yes. Our world is filled with all different types of robots, from everyday robots that vacuum our floor and cook our food, to much more complicated robots, like the drone and the rover robots in a rover's story. Reading all these terrific books about robots made me want to know even more about them. And that's why I decided we should go on a robot adventure today. Oh, wow. So we'll be learning more about drones and other robots. And the people who make them? Incredible. I can't wait to get started. But first, let's make sure we're all stretched out, warmed up, and ready for whatever adventures await. Of course. Unlike robots, we don't have any spare parts to use if we break down. So we need to take excellent care of our bodies. One way to do that is to stretch out and exercise. Let's all stand up unless you're buckled into your car or tucked into your bed, and wiggle our fingers and toes. Reader, are you wiggling? Great! Now, stretch your arms way up over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low, 
wiggle your toes, swing your arms from side to side. Let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side. Now we're ready to go. Ooh-wee! That was amazing. Thanks for those stretches, Lauren. Now I'm really ready to go. Let's get this adventure started. Before we go, reader, did you remember to bring paper and crayons with you? We're going to see a lot of things on our robot adventure that we'll want to draw pictures of. Pictures are how we retell the story of our adventure after we return to our homes, just like the illustrators who draw the pictures in our favorite books. As we travel, think about what you want to draw so you can capture the important parts of our adventure for your friends and family to see. If you didn't remember crayons and paper, don't worry. You can press pause and get them now. The reading bug and I will wait right here for you. At the end of today's adventure, we'll take time to draw the pictures that are in our imaginations. But of course, you can draw anytime you want. I can't wait to see the incredible pictures that you create. Perfect. It looks like we're all ready for today's exciting adventure. Everyone stand back and I'll open up the book bag for us. Magic book bag. As our world changes year after year, robots are popping up everywhere. In the future, will robots look like we do? And will they act more and more like us too? Help us learn all about this technological splendor on a super cool, wondrous robot adventure. Look, reader, the reading bug is opening up her magic book bag and it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. And look, can you see all the amazing images swirling around inside? I see robots, robots everywhere, all different kinds of robots. There are robots that look like flying saucers, and I see robots that look like tractors without drivers plowing fields. I see ginormous robots moving heavy objects, round rover robots with six wheels cruising over the surface of Mars, and small yellow robots with eyes that pop out like binoculars. I even see robots that look like R2-D2, BB-8, and C-3PO in the Star Wars movies. And robots that look like dogs, cats, and fish. Floating among the robots, there are lots of words I don't recognize. Words like roboticist, humanoid, prototype, biomimetic, artificial intelligence, and cognitive. You know what I don't see, Lauren? What? A robot that looks like a ladybug. At least, I don't see one yet. Maybe after our robot adventure, I'll be able to invent one. Look closely, bug. I can see robots that are about your size flying around in swarms like bees and wasps do. You're right. I see them. Ro-bugs. What are we waiting for? It's time for us to get on our way if everyone's ready to go. On the count of three, let's all hop into the magic book bag together. Ready? One, two, three, jump! Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag? Our trusty book bag. What will we learn about today? Reader, reading bug, look outside. Our homes and schools are getting smaller and smaller as we travel higher and higher into the sky. I can't wait to see where the magic book bag takes us today. Hey, wait, what's happening? Bug, is there something wrong with your book bag? It feels like we're stopping already. You're right, Lauren. We'd barely lifted off when the book bag started slowing down again. I don't know what's going on. It feels like we're drifting downwards like a balloon that's slowly deflating, getting closer and closer to the ground. 
It seems way too early, but I think our book bag is coming in for a landing right now. Hold on tight, everyone. If the book bag is broken, we may be in for a bumpy landing. Reading bug? Where are we? We weren't in the air very long, so we couldn't have traveled too far. There's only one way to find out where we landed, Lauren. Everyone, follow me. Let's crawl out of the book bag and take a look around. Hey, look! We did make it! Somewhere. But where? We're in a park that I've never seen before. But it must be in a city somewhere close to where we live. The book bag landed on a wide expanse of soft green grass. And there are lots of people all around us. Some are walking and jogging on the grass. Others are riding bikes, scooters, and skateboards on nearby bike paths. Beyond the bike paths, I can see lots of tall buildings and trees and streets filled with cars. But I don't see any... robots. Robots? Did you say robots? Oh, hi! Yes, yes we did! You see, we were hoping to have a robot adventure today, but I think our book bag might be broken. Book bag? Is that what you call the impressive drone that dropped you off? Drone? Yes, I was sitting in the park for some early morning bird watching when I saw your red and black polka-dotted drone land and watched you climb out. The drone didn't appear to be broken. Oh, yes, that was our drone that brought us here. We had asked it to take us on a robot adventure, but looking around, I'm not sure we made it. You may have programmed your drone perfectly, actually. If you wanted a robot adventure, I'm not sure you could have landed in a better spot. You see, the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines is located in that building just over there. My name is Dr. Isa A. Abadi, or Dr. Isa for short. I'm a roboticist, and I am the head of the Institute. You're a robot-a-what? A roboticist. That's a scientist or an engineer who programs, builds, or tests robots. Dr. Isa, it's very nice to meet you. My friends and I have so many questions to ask you. My name is Lauren, and this is the Reading Bug and our reader friend. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Isa. Incredible! A talking ladybug? Did you program this tiny robot yourself, Lauren? She's very impressive. We have a number of bug-sized robots at the Institute, but I've never seen a robotic ladybug before. Lauren, she thinks I'm a robot. What should we do? It's pretty clear that Dr. Isa is more likely to believe you are a robot than a talking ladybug. Maybe we should just go along with the robotic bug thing, at least for now. What did you say you call this adorable little bug bot again, Lauren? They call me the Reading Bot. That's right. We call her the Reading Bot because she's a robot that loves to read. Impressive. Well, it's a pleasure to meet all of you. You said that you are looking for a robot adventure, didn't you? I have a great idea. Why don't you bring your Reading Bot and come join me at the Institute? We have lots of different kinds of robots for you to look at, and my colleagues and I would be thrilled to learn more about your robotic reading ladybug. We would love to join. Uh, we would love to join you, Dr. Isa. Wonderful. Then follow me. It's just a short walk from here. Dr. Isa, I'm a little confused. You say you worked at the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines. But I thought Intelligent Machine was just another name for robot. Not exactly, Lauren. Not all robots are intelligent machines. A robot is an intelligent machine only if it can learn from its experiences, like people do. I'm not sure I understand what learn from its experiences means. Let me give you a quick example. Have you ever touched a hot metal surface like the top of your stove? 
It hurt, didn't it? I bet you yanked your hand away as fast as you could as soon as you started to feel pain. After that, have you ever touched a hot metal surface again? No way! Why would I touch it again once I knew it would hurt me? Exactly, Lauren. You learned from your experience. In this case, you learned that the surface was hot and that it would hurt if you touched it. I see. You may not have realized it, Lauren, but when you burned your hand, you stored that sequence of events. Touching hot metal burned my hand and really hurt. In your brain, as a memory. That's why the next time you saw a hot metal surface, you remembered not to touch it. That process of learning based on experience and acting upon it is the key to human intelligence. Over time, we are able to make more and more complicated decisions by learning from our past experiences. And that's what intelligent machines do? Yes! Intelligent machines are software programs or machines that have been programmed to be able to make the same kind of decisions that we do based on their experiences. Our family has a coffee machine that automatically turns on every morning so that there's hot coffee ready for grown-ups when they get up. Does that mean our coffee maker is an intelligent machine? Good question, but the answer is no. It might seem like the coffee maker is intelligent because it turns itself on every morning, but the coffee maker didn't learn to turn itself on through experience. It only turns on every morning because someone programmed it to do that. So your coffee maker is not an intelligent machine. Then what is an example of an intelligent machine? Do you know what a Roomba is? I do! A Roomba is a cute round vacuum that looks a little like a flying saucer. Except it moves around on the ground, vacuuming the rugs and floors in a house or an office. That's right, Lauren. Unlike the coffee pot, the Roomba is an intelligent machine because it has been programmed to learn more and more about the rooms in your house each time it vacuums them. It does this using sensors that allow it to detect the presence of obstacles, like chairs and tables, and navigate around them. Some Roombas also have a camera that works with the mapping and navigation software to make sure that all areas of the floor and rugs are vacuumed. Well, we've arrived at the entrance to the Institute. Let's go inside the Institute to take a look at some of the robots and intelligent machines that the roboticists at the Institute have been working on. Good morning, Dr. Isa. I have detected that there are several other humans traveling with you today. Will you please identify your guests so that I can check them in as visitors to the Institute? Good morning, Roby. My friends and I were just talking about intelligent machines like you. Let me introduce you to Lauren, the reading bot, and their reader friend. These new friends are here to learn more about robots. Please say cheese while I take a photograph of you to file in my memory for the Institute. Cheese! Dr. Isa, I'm, uh, I'm not sure how intelligent this machine is. Roby seems to have forgotten to use a camera to take our picture. (laughs) Roby, do you want to tell Lauren how you were able to take her picture without a camera? Certainly, Dr. Isa. Lauren, I did use a camera to take your picture. However, that camera has been built into the fingertip of my right hand, which is why you may not have been able to see it. A man with a camera in his fingertip? That's incredible! Oh, correction, Lauren. I am not a man. I am a social humanoid robot. Sorry, Roby. Of course you're not a man, but you do look amazingly like a human. What is a social humanoid robot, anyway? Social humanoid robots are robots that have been designed and built to resemble human beings in order to better interact with them. 
You haven't seen a lot of robots like Roby because Roby is a prototype. That means he is an early sample robot that we are using to test and debug this particular type of social humanoid robot. Debug? <laughs> Your reading bot is funny too, Lauren. Debugging is the process of making sure there are no errors in the code that might cause Roby to break or perform differently than expected. Roby is the very first model of this particular robot that we have named the RobyBot. Correct, Dr. Isa. As you might have guessed, Roby is an intelligent machine. We have also designed Roby to empathize with his human companions. That means we have programmed him to recognize human emotions, thoughts, and situations, and to react appropriately to them. The purpose of a RobyBot is to help human partners in many different ways, such as by providing instruction or teaching, helping them with household tasks, providing care to an older or disabled adult, or providing companionship. I have been programmed to interact with humans as a greeter and guide for the Institute. Dr. Isa, is there anything further that I can do for you or your guests? Roby, I've got a full day of meetings scheduled for today. Would you be able to take Lauren, Reader, and the Reading Bot on a tour of our Institute and show them the many kinds of robots we are building and testing here? Of course I would be able, Dr. Isa. As you know, I am programmed to comply with the three laws of robotics, and I must comply with your request. Robots have laws? They're not exactly laws, but there are three basic principles of robotics that were developed by the person my parents named me after, Isaac Asimov, about 60 years ago. These principles, or laws, continue to influence robotic programming and design today. I've heard about Isaac Asimov. He was a famous scientist and author who wrote many stories and books about robots. Your reading bot's reading comprehension programming is impressive, Lauren. I do not recall reading about the three laws of robotics. What are they? The three laws are really quite simple. They are, one, a robot must not injure a human or, through inaction, allow a human to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey orders given to it by a human, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Three, robots must protect their own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. You are in great hands with Roby. <laughs> Don't tell the other robots here, but Roby really is my favorite. I know that Roby will provide you with a first-class tour of the Institute, but please don't leave without saying goodbye to me. I'll be in my office in the research center all day. Roby, will you be sure to bring our friends to my office once you've done with your tour? Yes, Dr. Isa. Thank you so much. I have a feeling today is going to be a really robust romp through robotics, and we'll relish a rendezvous with you before we return to our regular lives. Thanks, Dr. Isa. Have fun. Welcome to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines. Before I begin my tours, I've learned that visitors appreciate it when I provide them with a little information about the Institute first. So that is how I will begin unless you have any objections. There are three areas of the Institute. The first is the Research Center, where scientists and engineers invent, design, create, and test robots and intelligent machines. We will visit Dr. Isa in her laboratory in the Research Center at the end of today's tour. But visitors are not usually allowed to enter the Research Center because it could disrupt the work that the roboticists are doing. The second area of the Institute is the Exhibition Hall where many of the robots and intelligent machines that have been designed here are displayed, and in some cases available for use by visitors. The third area is our lab school, 
where roboticists test the interactions between humans and biomimetic robots, including social humanoid robots like me. If you will follow me, we will first visit the exhibition hall. Do you have any questions before we enter the exhibition hall? All that noise sounds pretty scary to me. Are you sure we'll be safe in there? I don't think we have anything to worry about, Lauren. Roby says visitors tour the exhibition hall every day. That is correct. The exhibition hall is very noisy because it contains hundreds of robots and intelligent machines. Many of them are made of metal, and most of them are moving around demonstrating to visitors what they have been designed to do. My favorite are the large robot tractors that help plow fields and harvest crops. Do you know what we call those? Um, no. What? We call them Transfarmers. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Just a bit of robot humor to put you at ease. Are you ready to enter the exhibition hall now? Yes, Roby. Thank you. Follow me. Wow! Raider, look! This room is gigantic! It's as big as those big airplane hangar buildings at the airports that hold lots of big jumbo jets. Everywhere I look, I see robots and more robots. Some of them are almost as tall as the building, and others are very, very small. These robots are all so different. Yes, Lauren, they are all very different. But all of these robots, no matter what they look like, share three things in common. First, they must sense. Sense? Sense means that a robot must be able to detect things, whether it is sounds or changes in light, or whether you cleaned your room. For example, even though my eyes don't actually see like yours, they have sensors that allow me to detect that you were here with Dr. Isa when she entered the Institute today. That makes sense. <laughs> Second, the robots must be able to think. That means that a robot must be able to take data that it senses and evaluate it. It does this by using a small computer that acts a little like a human brain to decide what it should do next. Again, to use myself as an example, when I sensed that Dr. Isa had brought visitors, my computer brain told me to ask for your names and to take a picture of you for the Institute's records. Right! Which you took with your fingertip camera! Yes, because a robot must be able to act. Act? Like in a play or a movie? Are we going to see some robot movie stars? No, not today anyway. In this case, act means that the robot must be able to take an action like asking for your name and taking your picture. Excuse me. My purpose is to take care of your waste and recycle or dispose of it post-haste. Not now, Trashbot. Come back later and we may have something for you. Every robot has been programmed to perform one or more tasks. The Trashbot's purpose is, as he said, to collect trash and to recycle or otherwise dispose of it. Trashbot really likes his task. He is always trying to find waste, even when visitors don't have any. What other types of work do robots do? Because we are machines, robots don't get tired or hungry or sick. We also don't get bored, so we can do the same thing over and over and over again without making mistakes. Oh, could you fold my laundry or mow my lawn? Yes, of course. And because we don't get tired, hungry, sick, or bored, robots are very good often better than humans, at doing certain kinds of work. Trashbot is a good example. 
That little robot collects trash and disposes of it all day and all night, every day. He never gets bored and he never gets tired. The exhibition hall contains large industrial robots designed to lift heavy boxes, cut pieces of metal, and build very large rocket ships. We also exhibit farm robots designed to harvest and haul fruits and vegetables, to kill weeds, and to lift bales of hay. Robot drones are used to fly into places where it would be too dangerous for humans to go, like into wildfires, floods, and even volcanoes, to rescue humans and animals who may be trapped. And mobile robots, like the Mars rovers, are used to explore parts of space and of the ocean that are not accessible by humans. There is even a display of microscopic robots called nanobots that are built to fight disease from inside a person's body. Lauren, reader, look! Over there I see robots that look like the bugs we saw flying around in the book bag. There are many different types of robotic bugs. For example, the ones you are looking at over there are called robo-bees. A robo-bee is about half the size of a paperclip, and they have been designed and developed to help with search and rescue missions. Some robo-bees can fly high up in the air, and other robo-bees can dive deep down into the ocean. Scientists hope that in the future, they will be able to develop robo-bees that can artificially pollinate flowers and other plants. Yeah, but how good are they at spelling? I know a bee that is great at that. Spelling? Quite poor. That is not their purpose. I'm sure we could spend all day in the exhibition hall observing and learning about robots, but I'd love to move to the lab school to learn more about robots like you, that look like real people, and robots that look like other living things. What do you call these robots? Robots that look like insects, animals, or humans are called biomimetic robots, because we are inspired by real living things. Roby, Dr. Isa told us that you were designed to observe humans, to recognize our emotions, thoughts, and situations, and to reach appropriately to us. I wonder, do you ever wish that you were a real person? What is real and what is not is a question I get asked a lot. I may not have a heart, it's true. But does that mean I am less real than you? My circuits hum, my gears are strong. I can move and walk and sing this song. My bits and bites help me survive. What else do I need to truly be alive? To be as real as real can be. There's one thing missing, can't you see? It's on every Valentine's Day card. You guessed it, it's a human heart. I want a heart, I want to feel the warmth of love, a joy that's real. I want a heart, a beating core. To make me whole, to make me so much more. A human heart? But Roby, you said it yourself. You don't need a heart to be real. I can process data, compute with ease. But without a heart, I'm incomplete. I'm a robot and I'm proud to be. 
But alive is what I fear I'll never be. I'm programmed to know how humans feel. And if I could love, I'd finally be real. But I cannot love without a heart. And that's why I really, really want that part. With a heart I'd love and hug and cuddle. I'd help those in need and those in trouble. I'd laugh and cry and I could be the realest and most alive version of me. I want a heart. I want to feel the warmth of love, a joy that's real. I want a heart, a beating core to make me whole, to make me so much more. That's a beautiful song, Roby. Were you built to sing like that? Or did you learn how to make music? My programming includes singing to help me interface with humans. But I have learned to construct complex verses like the ones I sang just now, to help detail the complexity of my experience as a robot. Oh, perhaps if I had a heart, though, I could do more, or feel more, or love more. I'm not sure you need a heart in order to love, Roby. Tell me, Lauren, what does having a heart feel like? I... I don't know, Roby. I mean, sometimes I can feel it beating. But I don't think that's what you mean. For me, having a heart means caring for people I love and doing kind things to benefit the people and creatures around me. That's right. You know, your song reminded me of the Tin Woodman in The Wizard of Oz, Roby. Lauren, reader, do you remember the Tin Woodman? He wanted a heart, too. He did? Did he get one? Well, Dorothy found the Tin Woodman in the woods on her journey to the Emerald City. And after she oiled his rusted parts and made his parts move again, she promised him that the Wizard of Oz could get him the heart that he wanted. So the Tin Woodman joined Dorothy on her dangerous adventure to find the wizard. A dangerous adventure is required to acquire a heart? Well, not exactly. You see, when they finally reached the Emerald... My human companions, I have a proposition for you. I would like to enlist your assistance on a dangerous adventure to help me acquire my heart, just as Dorothy accompanied the Tin Woodman. Roby, that's not exactly how the story... You see, in my experience as a guide for the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines, I have sensed a change. And this change has made my processor think about how to act. And I believe I have a plan, but I require assistance. Can you help? Help? I'm not even sure what you're asking us to do, Roby. It's a rescue mission. A rescue mission? But we traveled here today to learn all about robots, Roby, not go on a rescue mission. Will it be dangerous? I estimate a low probability of success and a high probability of danger. But we have to try. A young girl needs our help. A high probability of danger? Do not fear, Lauren. Remember, a robot must not injure a human or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. You will be safe in my company. And what's more, this adventure will further your purpose of learning about robots. Reader, Reading Bug, what do you think? Should we help Roby and the young girl who needs our help, even if it might be dangerous? Roby says we'll learn more about robots this way. And if someone really needs our help, I think we have to try, don't you? You may be right, Bug, but I think I need to learn more about what Roby wants us to do. Why don't we take a little break while we decide what to do next? 
Robots like Roby may not get tired, but humans like us sure do. Reading bugs too. While we wait for part two of this incredible adventure, I'll play some music for us to color to, and we can all draw illustrations of everything that's happened so far. I'm going to draw a picture of Roby the robot in the exhibition hall of the Institute of Robots and Intelligent Machines. Great idea, Bug. Reader, what do you think you'll draw? Whatever you draw, I'm sure it will be awesome. We have learned so much already today, I can't imagine all the incredible things we'll learn when our adventure continues. Remember what Dr. Isa said, that learning based on experience and acting upon it is the key to human intelligence. When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane, build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. Thank you for joining me and the Reading Bug on our adventure today. We can't wait to see you next time to continue our robot adventure. While you wait for part two, if you want to read more about robots or roboticists, you can find a list of all the books in the Reading Bug's book bag at thereadingbug.com adventures. It's a Reading Bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Sourcebooks and their new bright and bold inspired picture book with a touch of science, Don't Touch That Flower, by Alice Hemming and Nicholas Slater. Oh, what a pretty flower. I just love flowers. I'm going to pick this one for my bouquet. Lauren, don't touch that flower. Oh, hi, Spelling Bee. I didn't see you there. What are you doing in the middle of that flower? I'm doing what bees do best, Lauren, gathering pollen to pollinate this beautiful field. Of course, Spelling Bee. I just added a book about this very subject to our daily story time list at the Reading Bug Bookstore. It's the perfect introduction to nature and caring for flowers and their pollinators. It's called Don't Touch That Flower. Wow, what a coincidence. C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E. Coincidence. Well, if you'll excuse me, I couldn't be more excited about this field of flowers. And I'll be sure to come read Don't Touch That Flower with you a bit later, when the sun goes down. See you later, Bee. Reader, you can purchase Don't Touch That Flower by Alice Hemming and illustrated by Nicholas Slater at thereadingbug.com, bookshop.org, or your local independent bookstore. Sourcebooks, changing lives, book by book. Thanks to Sourcebooks for their ongoing support. And thanks to all of our individual sponsors. If you're interested in becoming a patron, please visit our page at patreon.com. Thank you for listening to Reading Bug Adventures. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, Brandon Savage, Riley Savage, Diane Savage, and Elaine Gruet. Music is by me and Dan Shern. Sound mixing and mastery is by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is our family-owned independent children's bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com, 
and our personalized subscription box at readingbugbox.com. Thank you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. For over six years, the past and the curious has been winning fans, sharing stories of real people from the past, and making people smile. I'm Mick Sullivan author of I See Lincoln's Underpants, which is a book about, well, famous people's underwear. You'll find all of those stories and much, much more in the 100 plus episodes of The Past and the Curious that are currently available. Find it in all the usual podcast places. The Past and the Curious with Mick Sullivan. That's me.